Yo, welcome to another episode of the 10 Artist Commandments podcast. Today we are talking about commandment number three, put yourself out there. And in order to do that and to talk about that correctly, I had to get somebody who really took that leap of faith. This person is a multi, multi platinum songwriter and producer, but he decided to put himself out there and turn himself into a platinum artist instead of just multi-platinum songwriter and producer. So he had to, he took the ultimate leap of faith. Today I have Houston's own DJ Chose in the building. What's up, Chose? What's up, JR? What's up, my brother? Yeah, man. So this, this is my family right here, man. Me and Chose. This is my dog. We we have rich talk all the time. We get yeah. <laughs> on the phone. <laughs> you know what I mean? This somebody we, we had them big boy conversations with, man. And, and I'm I'm very proud of my brother, man. Give me your, your discography for the people who don't know who DJ Chose is. Man, I I, I it's kind of hard, but I'll try for you. Um yeah. Kevin Gates, time for that. Yeah. Platinum. My my bad, double platinum. Kevin Gates ain't too hard. I'm I'm just saying because they they all probably go to platinum. Kevin Gates implies all the above, just went platinum. Of course, DJ Chose thick, platinum. PNB Rock, Kodak Black, A Boogie with the Hoodie Horses from Fast and Furious. I think triple platinum. No Smoke NBA Young Boy, four times platinum. Top by Fred O'Bane, platinum. Uh, yeah, platinum. Um, a lot of the Megan Stallion, Megan the Stallion, High Girl Gold. Um, I did a lot of her early music. NBA Young Boy Ride Out, one of his first songs he ever dropped, just went gold. Um, Money Bag Yo, Fred O'Bane, Spin On Them, Gold or some shit. So those are pretty much my marquee records. Now, as far as records that actually I didn't did, I probably got over like 200 in ASCAP right now. Okay, so boom. So crazy producer, crazy songwriter. Man, it, it feel good to be on the phone with you because, uh, I'm gonna be honest, I remember calling you like four or five years ago, like when I was like barely trying to get it and you had told me your price for something and I was like, fuck how I'm gonna come up with that. But I took that leap of faith. <laughs> I took that leap of faith and, and you know, shit, the dots connected cause it's all timing too. So, I mean, it feel good to just be uh, amongst the peer now, you feel me? Right, sure. exactly, exactly. So, so this commandment that we're talking about, we're talking about putting yourself out there. I, I sent you an excerpt of it. Could could you read that for us real quick? As artists, I say to you, positive things cannot happen in your career if you do not put any positive energy out there. And I'm sure, as you know, exuding no energy towards your goal is doing nothing, and you will continue to wallow in the same place. Every song you release and every piece of content you post is a direct release of your energy. The more energy you put out there, the more chances you have that that energy coming back to you in a form of success. Amen. And it's so crazy that hearing you read that because me and you have actually had that conversation a hundred times. Nah, <laughs> for real. You've actually sold the phone over other times. I would not be telling you like, yo, chose like, bro, just, just put the music out there. Put more like, do the next release. Like, just keep putting energy out there until it come back. You know what I mean? I, we've had that conversation a hundred times, but but what I want to talk about right now is that 101 time that you did it, 
and it turns into a hit. How long had you been a, a, a writer and a producer before you decided to pick up the, the torch and say, you know what, I'm gonna put out my own music? See, this is crazy, because I was actually an artist first, but mm -hmm. I gave up. So when you, when you say that, I think when we first met, I was an artist. Yeah. And then eventually I gave up because of course that was a time when A, things were slower, things were way more expensive. Eventually I tapped out, plus I wouldn't put that energy out there. So I never got nothing back other than the one song that we probably met off of. So yeah. after that, I, I took a long break of just writing and producing. I was still putting out music, but I wasn't promoting it. And for most artists, they might even be putting that energy out there, but they don't understand the art of, you gotta let the world know. You gotta try to make sure everyone knows that you just released this energy. It just can't be amongst your blank CD and your your 10 friends who like your music. It gotta be amongst the people who hate your music, the people who don't believe, the people who don't know your music. Like you gotta make sure everybody knows that, hey, I tried something new. You might like this new shit. And I stopped doing that. I had got to a point where I just was like, man, this is for me. I'm gonna write and produce. Let's blow that shit up. But this is for me because I'm too scared to fail again. Not knowing that shit, failure was the best thing that ever happened to me. Uh, between me and you, JR, you don't know this, but before my biggest hit, I dropped a song. It was about uh, George Floyd. It was about George Floyd. When I put the record out, it did real good on Instagram. It got like a lot of views, like 30,000 views. And for me as an independent artist, that was dope. It got about 600 comments. And I was like, oh shit. When I when I get on when I get on Apple tomorrow, this bitch gonna be crazy. <laughs> I got a, I got on Apple the next day. That bitch had like eight hundred listens, right? And I was yeah. like, this don't add up. Like at the time, I was trying to put out some positive energy. Yeah, and it hit me, and it was like, man, people want what they want. Like if the world wants some some fun music, give them some fun music. So after that, I just I start re like recording more and more fun music because I was like this. Didn't work. Yeah. And after that, I knew, like, this time I got to really market, though. The same way I just pushed that shit and got that a good look, I got to yeah. get this a good look. And when I gave that a good look, the way the world received it, it let me know, like, yo, you really got to put the same energy in everything you drop. Not just the ones that feel right here. Like, not yeah. the ones that are near and dear to you. Every energy is important. In a sense, right. so so at that time, but before you got you know your your big record and you were putting the George Floyd record out at that time, where were you as a songwriter and a producer? This is crazy. I was actually coming off like my second second or third gold or platinum song. It was quarantine, so I'm knowing my money about to slow down because most artists were locked in the studio and they was at a point to where they felt like rappers, super rappers again, like. Yeah. I'm not I'm not taking any hooks. I don't want to do no verses. I want to do my project on my own. Yeah. So they sort of shut the doors on the right. Yeah, when, when COVID hit, every artist was in the studio all day. So why would they want to take a hook? You know yeah. what I'm saying? They felt like they was the songwriting producer and they were. So during that time, though, nobody was dropping because everybody felt like, man, I ain't going to drop it. Yeah, yeah, they were scared. I remember the they were scared to drop. They're like, I don't know what's going on. I don't want yeah. to drop my sequel and nothing happened. So by that time I had so much in the vault and that was when I realized like, yo, 
you got to pitch your own shit out because nobody accepting records right now. So if that's the case, it, either you're going to fucking starve or either you're going to fucking push. So yeah. that's when I got I got taking that shit serious. So that so that's when you you really said, you know what, let me let me go ahead and go with my move. You know what I mean? So you had the platinum the platinum uh records as a producer songwriter, but when stuff shut down and people weren't taking those records, you had them. So you're like, I'm not just gonna let them sit. So you was like, you know what? I'm gonna press on me. I'm gonna press on DJ Chose. Yeah. Now now a quick sidebar. Are you a DJ? Yeah, I can I'm I actually don't take everybody's gigs, yeah. but like if somebody called me with a wedding for like five, ten bands, I'll take it. I actually got a wedding tomorrow. So you are a DJ, because I, I was like, I, I just thought about I'm like, okay, DJ chose. Does this man actually DJ? I'm a I'm gonna do you a favor tomorrow. I'm gonna post something on Instagram actually DJing. So DJing. the world can know. So what came first? DJing, producing, or writing? Rapping. Rapping came uh, first. The DJs. One of my favorite DJs used to give me hell. Like he wouldn't play my music. It was almost like a hazing phase he put me through, right? Yeah. So shout out to DJ Mr. Rogers. He was like one of those people that uh, um he was the upper hand in my college, right? Uh -huh. So in order to become DJ Chose, I had to really, really compete with DJ Mr. Rogers at the time. He was just get he was out of school, so I just knew I could kind of take over if I just tried. Like I said, I never knocked him for this because my music wasn't always good. And <laughs> yeah. he's a real like tastemaker if he like if he feel like that shit was trash he he wouldn't play it he would let me know like yo you gotta come harder and i would be like damn this nigga hating on me back then i thought he was hating yeah. but i ain't gonna lie to be where i'm at now i kind of appreciate how hard he was because he didn't just play anything the song that he did accept became hits saying all that to say the only reason i started djing was because he made it hard for me to be an artist and after he made it so hard, I realized like if I just if I just get in the door, I don't need him anymore in the lines of trying to test my records. Right. Now, when he came to actually breaking them, I always needed him because he always put his back into the records that was working. He'll support. If I needed him, he'll support that shit. So with that being said, I was an artist first that turned DJ because nobody would play my shit. Just like you said, uh putting myself out there. I had to do that. They say it takes 10,000 hours to master a field. Well, what do you call spending 157,000 hours on one task? Breaking artists. Over my 18 years, I've witnessed the music business change abruptly from year to year. Yet I see artists rise to stardom throughout every era, no matter the landscape. Working directly with these success stories, I've noticed 10 principles that all these artists live by that'll help them conquer their errors. What are the characteristics? What are the traits? What are the practices of a successful artist? What does it take? 10 artist commandments no matter the air no matter the landscape no matter the platform if you want to have a successful career as an artist read this book you had to do what was necessary for you to win you know what i mean and that is obviously why you're a platinum songwriter producer platinum artist because you're gonna do what's necessary to win Most definitely. one more thing so then when did producing come um Producing came like I always was trying to make beats that was trash though. Like I was making beats since I was 16 on a Phantom XA keyboard and it was trash. So I never really, I mean, it's kind of like some shit. That's why I say he knew like some of my shit was trash. 
But I got good right around, I had a song called Everywhere I Go that I signed, I think it's a game records off of. Right around that time, I had went to Atlantic Records to work on some shit and they was like, can you make, can you make the beats while we in the session? Yeah. And at the time, I'm scared as fuck because I'm like, not really, like, I can make 10 beats, one of them gonna be good, you know, the other nine, good luck. So, while we was in there, I ended up doing a lot of records. I did 20 beats that I didn't make, right? I just yeah. recorded 20 beats. Four of them went platinum. Wow. My checks was so terrible. I had no points on four platinum songs. And I knew after that, my A&R pulled me to the side. Shout out to Jeff Vaughn. He was, he was like one of the realest, meanest people I knew because he would tell me the truth. And he was like, yo... You just wrote four platinum songs. You didn't produce anything on them. I'm just telling you, if you want to get rich, if you want to get the money, you got to take your beats just as serious as you're writing. So yeah. after that, I remember No no Smoke for NBA Youngboy. I had sent him the whole yeah. thing. He he did like 20 edits, like change this, change that, change that. The beat should have this. The 808 should hit harder. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> but when it was done and it go four times platinum, I'm like, whoa. Yeah. And I own 60% of a platinum song, like, it was like, so, after No Smoke, the first real beat check I got, that's yeah. when I knew, like, I'm never writing a song to another person's beat, like. Yeah. So, so wait. <laughs> Hell no. Nah. What was the difference on a personal level and on a career level of having your own hit as you as the artist? What would you say it changed for you personally, and what did it change for your career? I'm going to just say this. If it's a producer out there that want to be a rapper, it's one thing producing and writing a hit for somebody and never being able to go do a show, never seeing a back end, never gaining the social status of the song. My one song, if I'd had 15 platinum songs like this, I would be top 10 in the artist world. But since I don't and only got one, I will just say this one they came out in 2020. One of the first initial benefits I seen was, I think the first year I probably made a half a million in show money. And after that, even as the record fizzled out, I still command 100 to 200K every year off just show money. That ain't giving myself, like I'm not slutting myself out here doing bullshit shows. I might only take 20 shows a year and I'm still getting it the way I want to get. So that's how, I, so, so, I guess that mixing career and personal, it it, 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 took, it took life to a, a nice little level that yeah. that wouldn't have been the case had it been somebody else's hit. Most definitely. If I had so I ain't going to say their name. Somebody really tried to get thick for me, like pursued me. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you were involved with that foolishness. <laughs> if I had gave him that song, I wouldn't even be important. We wouldn't even be on this call, probably. You feel mm -hmm. me? Like... I'm just glad I stood 10 toes down on the independent surface because even if I'd have gave it to a label, ain't no guarantees I would be where I'm at right now because Thick was like that baby that I had to continue to put out. Like, even when, after a label made that money, sometimes they just give up on the record. With me, for the last three years, every time I get a chance, I'm still reworking my records. You feel me? Like, I don't even feel like it's done. I feel like this is a platinum song that should be diamond and... We never know if our kids gonna be the ones that make it diamond. You feel me? So that's a bar right there, cause that's very true. You see, you see the catalog music and what it's doing. Like songs are coming that are eighteen years old, 
are going triple platinum off of this year's spins alone. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So you're absolutely right. That's that's a crazy thing you just said there, man. And I think a lot of artists need to realize that about all of their music. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I tell people, you know, you got platinum songs in your catalog right now. It's just about you working them. You're not lying. You're not lying. It's really that. Like, I just seen that this year with a record I had from two years ago. I just start accidentally marketing it a little harder. And I start, I saw an initial spike. And that spike was a spike that just upped it over. Like, it... I think the record had fizzled out on every platform at like 300,000. Every mm -hmm. platform was at a million now. And I'm just like, and I ain't spent a dime either. It just was like yeah. the content. And that's just extra money. The content you made was free and you made extra money just off of doing free content. So Charles, with, with putting yourself out there and getting this record and, you know, in 2020, getting this record thick to begin to take off, what did you have to change about the way you move? Because... Obviously, you have been used to moving as a successful songwriter and producer. What did you have to change about the way you move once you had your own hit? Um, the first thing I had to change was making sure my image was correct as far as moving like a boss. Like at first, yeah. as a songwriter, you kind of under the radar. You can move however you want. I remember I used to pull up this. I still do this when I'm in songwriting mode. Yeah, I would get a Nissan Sentra and go to my session just to mentally remember that as a songwriter, ain't no ego. Like, yeah, you know, some writers get to LA and be like, I need a, I need this exotic car for me. I like to go in them bitches feeling like I need a hit. So when you're in the center, it reminds you that, Hey, I need this hit. Like this car that I'm in ain't even got leather seats. I gotta go fucking work. So, but as an artist, every time we get somewhere, of course we black trucks, we SUVs, I'm bodyguard. I, I got a bodyguard. I got a cameraman. It's just, it's a little more expensive to move now for me. I will say it's worth it. Like, I remember early in, I cheated the grind a little bit and I would shortcut a lot of stuff. I wouldn't do that now. If I got to spend a thousand dollars that day to look correct, I'd do that shit again and again and again. But why is that important? I've seen how people act when my bodyguard around and I've seen how they act when my bodyguard ain't around. And I ain't, it ain't never like no threat or nothing. I just know that when my bodyguard around, people instantly know who the fuck I am. When my yeah. bodyguard not around, they almost I get somebody be like, "Hey, you look like you look like somebody I know." No, they be like, "You look like somebody I know." When my yeah. bodyguard around, they be like, "Ain't that DJ Charles over there?" And they be like, "It's like an yeah. instant that gotta it's, be him." You feel me? It's that perception you create around yourself. Like I explain to people that your brand is nothing but the image you have created in other people's heads. And so, exactly. if my image of DJ Charles is him pulling up on a Nissan Sentra, he's all his brand is automatically. Uh, scar in my head but if i see dj chose hop out with his security his jury you know what i mean out of his black truck i'm like okay that's dj chose I, I look at him totally different my perspective is totally different and it, it just it just garners a, a different amount of respect and curiosity because you want people to say who is that like how can i how can i find this person how can i listen to this person's music you don't want to pull up and go unnoticed you want to be noticed as an artist I, I was talking to uh, Ray Daniels. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Yeah, he said that's one of the biggest keys to being an artist. He said an artist should never step in a room and people not say, who is that? He was like, nah. if you step in a room and nobody cares about who you are, you're, you're not, you're, you don't have the aura an artist is supposed to have. I'm going to fuck I mean? you up. I was, I was doing a little charity event and I mm -hmm. pulled up. This is back before I ever brought a car. I was in my like Ford Explorer. It was paid off all that shit. <laughs> and I was packing my equipment to load up a truck. And at the time I was the biggest DJ 
in like my whole city slash state. A little kid, his mama was like, look, that go DJ Chose, you want a picture? And the little kid knew my music and everything. He was like, that ain't DJ Chose, look what he in. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and same day I went to the dealer. That was the first time I ever just went and dropped on a car instantly. The little boy <laughs> fucked me up. One of the other impactful things is, I don't really like jury, but I will say I had to get deep into jury and I'm still like, I ain't really where I want to be, but I feel like as an artist right now, unless you making some J. Cole shit, you really got to make sure you got some jury on because it ain't for me and you. It's more like the type of music you make and the type of people you draw, them the type of people you got to please in a sense. So again, it's just that branding, it's that perception. With this book being so much about the business side, after you build up that courage to put yourself out there, and honestly, I don't, in your situation, yes, I'm sure it took courage, but it was simply, I need to feel this need. Like right now, people aren't taking my songs. Okay, you know what? I'll put them out myself. You know what I mean? And you did it and it hit. But mm -hmm. what what was the, the business side of that? What did the business side of that look like? I, you already explained, you know, the show money change and everything like that. But did you now have to get a certain team? Did you now have to have the right manager? What ha what changed for you business-wise when you put yourself out there? Well, the first thing is I had a manager. He's a great manager, actually. Uh, shout out to DJ Impact. He was my manager at the time. I had my partner who was helping. He was like my assistant manager. Impact, the first thing he ever did was he taught me paperwork. He taught me business. He taught me legal terms and stuff like that. And shout out to my lawyer. My lawyer, Leslie Cross, is a great lawyer. And he was the guy that overseen everything and just making sure everything was correct. I think one of the biggest, I would say pluses, but mistakes I made early was when I first started getting show money, I was only making like 5K. This At this time, I ain't had no money. I ain't had no truck. I ain't had nothing. I ain't had no security. Nothing. And I was getting show money for like five and I had to pay everybody. Mm -hmm. So my manager still wanted his 20 right. or whatever we was doing at the time. Might've been 15. But when you getting 5,000 or I might even been getting, it might've been early stages of getting 3,500 or some shit. And when I was getting 3,500, I would tell him like, yo, this back end is so small. Like I can't pay everybody and pay you. And you know, you're not even at the show. We, we eventually got into it. He stood on business. He stood on what he wanted. And we ended up parting ways. So that was one of the, I'm going to say a plus, but also a negative because I'm the kind of person that like to keep the same team if I can. When we parted ways, thank God my partner was solid. I turned him into my manager. He was already helping. He was a little more understanding, plus he was like my bodyguard. So mm -hmm. I would find myself out with somebody that could be at the show and one fee was taken care of it and I could piss them, I could still make some money. When you are an artist and you finally get you one, you gotta have a good manager. You gotta make sure your paperwork right. You gotta have somebody that understand your best interest for the future, not just for today. Because I've seen a lot of artists get sold out by their manager and terrible, uh, terrible, terrible business decisions over 20% that ain't gonna last you a year. You know what I'm saying? So my bad. When you say sold out, you mean it like they'll take the they'll take uh, some money that isn't good for the artist, but it's like, you know, it's a money grab. Is that what you mean? They do. I, I just seen niggas do money grabs and I also seen niggas do bad deals because this might have been the biggest deal, but this might be the deal that 
your manager know I'm not gonna be here in three years, five years. But mm. you rapping to this bitch. I need my twenty percent today out of this million dollars. I'm yeah. a I'm a two hundred thousand dollar manager now. While yeah. you stuck in this contract for the rest of your life until you get dropped. Mm. And these are people that they not me and yous. Like me and yous, you know the difference between me and you. I can call you right now. You can say, Chose, none of my shit is working. My content not hit. I'm not getting Instagram, not showing me no love. You know what you gonna do? What's that? You gonna figure it out. I ain't no giving up. You're not finna say, man, I'm finna go, I'm finna go get a job at Walmart. I never hear that come out your mouth. <laughs> come on, what? <laughs> and you will never hear it come out of mine unless right. I like I do what I gotta do to get some money to throw it back in the pot if I run out. But yeah. what I'm trying to say is, um, these people who get these deals sometimes don't have that work ethic in them. And if a manager know that, I feel like sometimes it's best for you to tell them to go the distribution route and control their own destiny. But when you give them the money grab, I mean, a lot of these guys don't realize that these... When I hear people say, oh, my, my deal was a million, I laugh because I'm like, well, how did they break it up? I mean, did you, are, you getting, are you getting 200 this year? Yeah. 300 after the next album of like <laughs> right you just can't tell me you got a million dollars though right because you didn't get a million dollars it may add up to a million dollars if you make it that far if you make it that far keep yeah. working <laughs> i understand it's just about having the, the right team around you with with the with the best interest but understand where you guys are headed you know what i mean so that way they're not taking they're not taking bad money they're not doing money grabs and they're not just doing the deal just because they don't they, it sounds like they, they don't believe. Like, I don't believe you're going to be here in three years, so I'm going to do this deal, just go ahead and get this money, which is sure. definitely the manager, right? <laughs> it's definitely the wrong yeah. manager. And so I guess when, when you're putting yourself out there, the, the number one thing, and we talk about this in the book, the number one thing you need is believers. You need believers to be along with you so that they're making deals for the long term versus deal for the short term. Man, that's the most important, honestly. You know that. Like, I feel like when people around you and they don't believe, it's very, very easy to tell because the non-believers typically don't do anything that ain't beneficial. Like mm -hmm. you gotta, if you got a believer with you, they're pretty much hold they hold camera for you. You know what I'm yeah. saying? If you if you say I need to shoot content today, I ain't got my bank account froze. A non-believer is there, like, I don't give a fuck if your bank account was active. I don't need no money. I'm shooting this content. Yeah, it don't cost me right. nothing to be there with you. Them believers. the niggas you need around. Yeah, believers gonna do what it take at all costs. There's no job beneath them. You know what I mean? Because if I know if I know this is a, a eight-figure to nine-figure business, if I believe we're gonna go and we're gonna be doing this thing for 10 plus years, if you need me to shoot this content, I'm shooting this content, I'm editing this content, I'm posting this content, I'm doing whatever it takes. And and that's why I don't like, you know, in the book we talk about this, I don't like to give people titles out of the gate. Because once mm -hmm. you give them a title, they feel like, oh, that's not my job. Oh, my job is, I'm a, I'm a manager. My job is to do this. And so out the gate, I don't give people titles. I say, okay, this is what I need help with. You know what I mean? I would love for you to come be a part of it. And this is the vision. Let's talk about how we can get to, to, to that part. So that way, if anything comes up, they can never say, oh, that's not my job. You don't have a job, buddy. You're my partner. That's what you are. <laughs> you know what oh, I mean? That's why when I say one of my pluses and my, when I actually hired my assistant partner mm -hmm. who had been kind of that person, it took a lot of load off me because he also didn't have no problem saying, you know what? I'll be your bodyguard too. You know what? I get, I fill out these, I fill out these papers. You know what? I play lawyer if I got to, you know what? 
I take all of the calls. Like I, I, you know, I used to have people be like, ah, oh, that's a booking manager. That's a booking agent's job. I don't want to pick up them calls. What the fuck? We gotta do everything over here because yeah. we not Amazon yet, my nigga. We, <laughs> I ain't finna hire twenty people yet. Like, hold on. Yeah. So, with you being independent your entire career, like you've never signed a record deal. You've always handled the business on yourself, even from a, a songwriter perspective. I don't have you ever even did a pub deal? Yeah, I'm in a pub deal. You know, I signed a TIG at one point, but Okay, okay, got you. All right, but but nevertheless, you've been independent for so long, your entire career. You've had hit records, you wrote hit records, you produce hit records. What does it look like to manage your money? Because you have to live, right? You know what I mean? What does mm -hmm. it look like? Are you are you the type of person that says, Okay, I'm gonna take my publishing checks? And I'm going to invest half into my music and half to pay the bills. Like, how do you manage your money? Man, it's crazy. My accountants say I'm cheap. Everybody around me say I'm cheap. If you look at my house, you'll say, damn, nigga, you blew it on this shit, right? But technically, the reason why it took me so long to be an artist is because I came from broke. And when you come from ground level, maybe even below the ground, when you coming from there, before I go crazy, I need a foundation. That's how I've always felt. Like, if I see myself making the first ASCAP check I got was probably like 10 bands. So once I knew, oh, I might get 10 bands every quarter, or I mean every check, damn, I need that. I gotta get, man. I ain't doing shit with this money till I hit a hundred. That was my mentality, right? So boom, I hit a hundred faster than I thought. Because I didn't know that if you got 10 and that was your first one, them bitches gonna compound. Unless you stop working. So, you know, second one was 20. Third one was 25, 30, whatever. So once you start realizing that, I got there faster, seen 100, and it was like, all right, you can do something for yourself now. You feel me? But I would just, if I was a, a independent artist, I would just tell that artist, for one of you a rapper, don't ever expect what I'm telling you. Because unless you get a hit, and you're a rapper, this shit I'm talking about right now, you're never going to see. You're never going to see an ass cap check. You're not going to know what true royalties look like unless you stream it. And in the streaming world, if you're streaming, it's a hit. I don't give a fuck if it's platinum or not. Me and you are excited about 50,000 a week streamers. We still over here like, we're going to see if that bitch grows, but we excited. We know somebody listening. No playlist too? We like this organic. You feel me? So... I would say um, anybody doing shows, anything like that, you just got to know how to put that shit to the side. Like, it ain't for you to ball out right away. It's really for you to stack because the way I see people like you and people that can help, they the type of people that you go see when you got it. You don't go see them when you're trying to get it. Like, I want to have a foundation and I want to have enough money to say, here, can you help me make my vision come true? You feel me? And in your case, I know you're not the type of person, you don't, you're going to listen to that situation. And, and if it's something you can do, I can help you with this because I know this person who can help you. It might cost you a little bit, but this is what we can do. I can take you to the source. You need to be ready for that. And you can't be ready for that buying Louis Vuitton belts and shit that you don't need before time. So I know branding is everything, but I'll be the, I'll be the first to tell you when Thick came out. I ain't had no image. I ain't even need one yet. I just needed to stack some money first. Got you. So that's the, that's what you are. You you you're gonna have a foundation before you bust a move. 
You know what I mean? Gotcha. That's beautiful. Like that's that's a, a beautiful mindset, and you know, obviously that's how we know Cho's never going broke. How you move though, <laughs> man? Jr. First hundred K. What did you do with your first? Not first hundred K. I'm talking about the, not the first hundred K check. I'm talking about the yeah. first. I saved five bands twenty times. What did you do with that first? Or did you blow it before it even hit a hundred? Nah, nah. So like my my first big money um, was from my artist the Joker on MySpace. We put his music on iTunes. We started making thirty thousand a month. Um, to be honest, man, I don't remember. I know it was nothing crazy. Like I, there was no big purchases. I, I believe the main thing we did was we just moved into a nice, nice, nice rental property. You know what I mean? We went in, and so that was the main thing we did. We had a, a loft. I, I remember it was twenty five hundred a month. Uh, which at that time was pretty hefty. You know what I mean? Because sure. we're talking about like 2010, maybe. You know what I mean? So like that 2,500 was was a nice little amount. So that was probably the only thing we did. I, and I got a charger. I remember I loved mm-hmm. that charger. You know See, mean? I got a marrow. But I mean, <laughs> my advice to the to anybody is just you have to know how to be broke. Like yeah. you got to know how to be broke and, and patient because we in this world where you just, everybody, as soon as you have it, it's like you're supposed to look rich. And it's like, yeah. maybe you go get you something to make yourself look upper echelon, but that don't mean you really got to have it, my boy. You just got to fake it a little longer. My my early money was before social media, so I ain't really had them issues, man. Yeah. Even now, you know, majority of my money goes to investing and, uh, <clears throat> you know, the, the other side of it just goes to taking care of my family, like my mother's bills. My bills, um, all of all of the bills of the family, that gets taken care of. Then pretty much everything else goes to investing, and then outside of that, traveling. That's pretty much the only thing I spend money on: investing, traveling. That's it. Other than that, yeah. we just take care of the family. You know what I mean? But I, but to answer your question earlier, bro, I, I've gone broke many a times because I'm the type of person I'm putting every dollar I got into something I believe. It go back to saying having them believers. If Jr. was on your team. You got to believe on your team, baby. I'm going to spend it all. <laughs> I'm going to do whatever it takes to get us where we're trying to go. And that has definitely um, had, had me go. I've, I've been broke three times since I got money. You know what I mean? And every yeah. time it was because I've been, I spent everything I had. Everything Damn. I had was going to come true. And every time it worked. The three times I went broke, those are three-star artists. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Every time. Man, I, you I mind the name dropping? Well, so K Camp, I spent everything I had. I went broke on K Camp. Um, the the second one, the second one, the artist ended up going to jail, but that was Q Money. Um, but it, it worked. Like uh, before he went to jail, we we were up to like uh 10k a show. You know what I mean? Right. And then he went to jail, and that that ended that that run. And that was um, when he was getting his hottest too. Yeah, and then lastly, I've never said this publicly, but I I literally spent everything I had with money long. Like I spent I I, I broke the bank, so to speak. You know what I mean? I spent it all, but the only difference with that one was it was already in the pipeline. I knew it was coming back. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So I, it wasn't like I spent it and like I don't know how we're gonna get this back. The other two, I didn't know how we was gonna get it back. You know what I mean? I just yes. believed this one. It was like, oh, I can spend these 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 last few hundred thousand because that's gonna be back in two months. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that was the only difference. But I did spend everything I had when that record popped. I think you a heavier gambler than me because. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm so afraid. Yeah, I'm afraid of going back broke. You can't pay me to 
my own record. So let alone another nigga record, but my own yeah. record could be bubbling. Yeah. And if I was broke, I might watch that bitch do what it's gonna do. <laughs> Here, here's the reason why I've never been scared of that because I, I know there's no way a person like me is gonna stay broke. It's impossible. It's just yeah. it's unfathomable. So for me, I'm willing to spend it all because it doesn't matter. I know I'm not going to live here. I'm not going to live at zero for, for a long period of time. Like me living at zero for three to six months, that's nothing to me. That's a blip in time for me. You know what I mean? So I don't mind, you know, cutting back for six months in order to make the vision come true. You know what I mean? Because I know it ain't going to be no longer than that. I, now I got you where I want you. <laughs> six months. They yeah. come in and they say, "JR, you're dead broke. You gotta leave the house, evacuate the premises. I know you own that bitch. But if it happened, are you going back to the trap? I'm, that's the broke I'm talking about. Okay, now we just getting in my business. Here's why that's impossible, because I have passive income. My passive income pays my bills. So no matter what, I, no matter what I do with my the money that's in my bank account, my my investment money." The money, I'm all my bills are always recovered. I, I'll never, I'll never be able to be evicted. None of my stuff, nobody's getting evicted. Like my passive income, my catalog money, that covers all the bills. So I'm not, I, I can't go. It's, it's, it's quite impossible for Jr. McKee to go broke because I, my catalog makes so much money. You bet it, you bet it, your catalog money. You went all the way house on it. Would you? I, I let me ask you this: money. I Would you not have no money? Would you not bet? Let's just say you know, boom! I this didn't work. You failed. We failed with money long, right? So mm -hmm. all your money gone, and then you have to double down. They say, all right, you got one more shot. This is a hit. All we need you to do is sign away everything passively coming in this month. Would you do it or not? Well, first of all, that's not the way money works. Because if no, I no, this is the way it works. Well, it's not because if you I sign away my passive income, it's because they're giving me a check. So it's you can really go take a loan. That's what I'm saying. You can go. You could go put a loan oh, against. Why I say got a loan against my passive income? No, yeah. that's my mama house. That's my house. Is that's not. That's happening. what I'm. Yeah, that's the not, shit I'm talking about. That I be scared not, of right there. You're not gonna go that far, but I tell you what, my investment bank account, I'll empty it. I'll empty that account on on what I believe in. That's a little different. That's why yeah. I can fuck yeah, with yeah, that. Yeah, listen, when you you get to play on a different level. After you've done what I've done, <laughs> you know what I mean. So you get to play on a different level. I, I'm I'm on a level where I, it's it's impossible for me to go broke. You know what I mean? But I will spend everything in my investment account on something I believe in. So you made me caveat it because money long, obviously I couldn't have went broke because I had my my you know my my catalog money and all my passive income. But my investment account, I emptied it, spend it all. We are going balls to the wall. I respect it. I, I, for one, people don't say this enough because they don't see it yeah. the way that you see it. But I respect anybody that will spend a dime of their money, whether they're making it back in 100%, 10%, 50%, whatever. I respect anybody's money and any person that would take any of their money and spend it on another person's dreams because yeah. that is so hard to find. You you cannot find a J.R. McKee every day and the ones that you do find like jr mckee are literally filthy rich and don't give a fuck they just throwing money saying i hope this come back yeah don't give a f that wasn't my scenario when you find a black man he could have you could have found something better to be doing with your money but Absolutely. you 
you did what, what you believed in, and that is yeah. rare. That's what I'm saying. Nah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And you're right. I, I, I am rare because I'm not playing with, you know, um, I'm not UMG playing with the, the money, money that has been earned, the millions that have been earned off of somebody else's back. I'm playing with the money that's been earned off my back. You know what I mean? So that's the big, that's the biggest difference. Like I'm not using UMG money. I'm using the money that I earned, that I worked hard for on somebody else's dream. But once, once we become partners, it's our dream now. So, you know what I mean? I, I didn't look at it like, oh, this is her dream. I look at it like, this is our dream. Like I, I believe in what she believes in. You know what I mean? And so that's, that's how I looked at it. And that's how I look at it with everybody. Like, I tell you, I, I, I don't budget. I don't do none of that. I spend it all. Like do what I got to do. Um, but you know that that's just me, and, and don't do this at home, kids. <laughs> don't don't listen to Jr. and spin hey, spin it all. Don't do it at home. But that that's just me, how I feel about my stuff. Let me disclaim for the for the for the indies that's gonna see this. Yeah, listen to Jr. But do not listen to Jr. Because Jr. will convince you to do some shit. And I ain't gonna lie, like when I was working, you used to tell me certain things and i wish i would have did them at the time you said yeah but by the time i was ready i did it everything still worked out for me but i'm saying from a level of a new artist that ain't got a hit yet and you're trying to see if it's a hit like i know people be trying to throw the whole bank but shit, man i ain't gonna lie we in a world of like it's about quantity too so i never blow all my money on one record if i can't sell if that's the one yet well, yeah, I mean, we the way we move in today with all these analytics, like, it's no need to spend money on anything that's not already working. Let me ask you this. This is our, our final thought. The book, Ten Artist Commandments, the reason that book exists is for artists to self-educate themselves, to be educated in, and build leverage in and, and, and learn how to earn and learn how to properly earn money at their career, at, the, at selling their art, right? Mm -hmm. Let me ask you. How important has self-education been to your career? Man, it's the most important part of, I would say, of my career. Because if you're not going to get on YouTube and see how to correctly mix and master, if you're not going to get on YouTube and see how to play a minor scale or how to picture 808 keys and fucking uh, the right key, like if, if you're not going to self-educate yourself along those lines, you shouldn't even be an artist. I see so many people who think, oh, I can rap. This my talent. And it's like, but have you got on YouTube and educated yourself how to run an ad correctly? If you haven't, why are you coming to DJ Cho's asking me to post you for free? Like, bro, if you got $100, you don't even need my post. You can target my people with your $100. And shit on me if you want to. So it's just about a lot of, like, I, I got, I deal with that a lot. Like, people be ready to beef with me because I didn't do something for them. And in my mind, I'd be like, dog, if you knew how much money I spent this month on the same thing you asking for for free, you would have a little more respect for why I'm telling you no, for real. So self-education is very important. You don't need as many people as you think. You only need them because you don't want to do the hard part. Mm, talk that talk, DJ chose. And with that, man, we are out of here, man. I appreciate you chose my brother. This conversation took a left turn. We we went back into like we were on the phone, man. Me and Jay chose you on the phone. We be talking so much cash talk. We be talking yeah. rich talk. And he done, he done broke it out in the podcast. We apologize, but you got to see a, a glimpse inside of our life, man. Sorry about that, man. Sorry about that. There's a lot of expensive shit going on around here. <laughs> All right, man. Ten Artist Commandments. We will see you on the next episode, man. 
DJ Chose, where can they find you? We're going to go straight to the source because I feel like this is more powerful. DJChose.com. We're going to start there. I want I, I like all my leads to come in now. Uh, <laughs> secondly, you know, Instagram, at DJ Chose. Twitter, Facebook. Please get on my Facebook. I love my Facebook people. We actually talk on there. Um, and all my so social platforms are just at DJ Chose. Of course, go subscribe on YouTube. Be my friend. Thank y'all. All right. All right. Peace, y'all. We're out.